be talking a little bit about hope this morning. I hope you guys have hope. Do you have hope? If you know Jesus, you have hope. The story of Mary uh, and, uh, and you know, what she went through in her, in her time, the, the, the ridicule that she must have had, the, the, the whispers in the corner against her. We know that that, was, uh, that must have been a tough time. And you look at her life, you look at the life of Joseph as well. How they, 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 they both just went through a, a time in which it must have been tough, but the promise of God, Emmanuel, God with us, that is our hope today. And that is what they knew was happening. And I want us to be talking about that as we're, as we're going into this time of season. Of course, we're in the season of Advent. And, and during Advent, of course, it's four weeks before Christmas. And we talk about hope and peace, love and joy. And we're going to be going through that here on the Sunday mornings uh, uh, for the next few weeks. But I want us to look at hope this morning. What is hope? And, and hoping in the Lord is important. I think we need to be a people who are, who are full of hope. If we're not full of hope, I think we may have some issues, right? We might have some issues for sure. But when we're hoping in the Lord, it changes fundamentally who we are. That We're not going to be the same people. The way that we look at the world, the way that we approach the world is, is going to be much different. Even the way we approach Bedlam is going to change when we have hope in Jesus. Amen? I expected more of a laugh on that one. Must be a lot of Sooners out there today. They're just not happy about how that game turned out. I'm kind of happy. At least it's our Oklahoma team moving on, right? But if you would turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. I, I wanted to pick a story and I... This was a study I did a few years ago over the life of David, and, and, and David went through a time in which he had a lot of stuff coming against him, a lot of things that were just rough. He had people who, who betrayed him, people who went against him, people who tried to kill him, people that he respected and loved were out to get him. Even his own children came after him at times. And David, at a, at a, very, a very good point in, in the life of, of Israel, they just brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the city. There's all this stuff that's going on, if you're reading there in the previous chapters, uh, that David is, is, is in, a, in a state of rejoicing. That the, the Ark is back there, and, and he's going through this time in which they're, they're, they're renewing their covenant with God. And David, in this renewal of covenant, finds hope in a God who's good. And I believe this is a good message for Christmas because maybe throughout the year we just kind of have this generic Christianity that we follow. But I want to invite you today to sit down with Jesus. I want to invite you today to sit down in his presence and enjoy that hope that all of us have today. You're going to hear about hope in the world. You're going to hear about peace, joy, and love. You're going to be hearing about all this stuff as, as we go through the, the Christmas season. But I want you to understand that it's not just a generic thing. As, as we talked about last week, it's not just Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving's sake. Uh, guys, it's not hope just for hope's sake. We don't just say hope because it sounds Christmassy. We say hope because there is hope in Jesus. There's hope in our God. And here David finds in this passage of Scripture, he finds out exactly what it is to hope in the God. Starting there with verse, uh, verse 18 in chapter 7. David has a prayer of gratitude. So coming off of Thanksgiving, I, I, I believe this leads us into this time of hope as well. Look at verse 18. It says, then King David went in and he sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house, 
for a great while to come. And this is instructions for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you. And there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, Israel? The one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing things for them, great and awesome things, by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel, to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning this house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord, of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we, as we read this account this morning of a prayer, a simple prayer giving, given to God from King David himself, a, a king who had went through his times and, and surely was going to go through more times, but, but in this moment, we see a David who is thankful, and in that thankfulness, he finds hope in the God of, of, of Israel. He finds hope in the one true God, the only God that, that exists. Lord, today we look to you as our one true hope. We look to you for all that we need in this modern time. And Lord, I believe that if we have hope in you, your word teaches us that we're going to be able to bring glory to you. And we ask this in your most holy name. And everybody says, amen. You know, as we're looking through this, this hopeful king, I, if you were to maybe take a, a, a time and, and write all this down and put a, put a, I don't know, an intro or maybe a title to it, I, I would call it the hopeful king. We see a king who probably for a lot of reasons didn't have a lot of reason to be hopeful. He had a lot of people coming after him. You know, he, he was trying to redo what the previous king had done wrong. Have you ever had a job where you went into it and the person before you didn't do such a good job and so you're trying to fix everything? <laughs> Putting out fires, all that kind of stuff. You know, spending so much time uh, uh, in, in the fire department, I, I found a lot of times that we were fixing other people's problems. They, they would, you know, take shortcuts in their houses and it would cause the house to catch on fire. Surely none of us have ever taken shortcuts in our wiring. Or maybe someone was being careless out in their fields and they ended up burning down the entire county. But spiritually speaking, here we see that David is coming into this. And, and like you and I today, we, we're trying to fix what's broken. But 
Unfortunately, the only way we can fix anything is through God. Our only hope is in God. That's it. And David, in this prayer, he's not talking about himself. He's not talking about how awesome he is. He's not talking about his slingshot skills, you know. He's not talking about Goliath. He's not talking about anything but God. If we were to focus on anything today, I would implore you to focus on Jesus, on God. Christmas is all about that, don't you agree? You know, we hear it said all the time, put Christ back in Christmas. That's good. But it's time that we do that. Not just on street signs or songs. Several years ago, people were getting in an uproar because a certain coffee place decided to take Christmas images off of their cups and just make a red cup. For me, I was just like, I just want coffee. It doesn't really matter to me what the cup is, if it's green or red or whatever. But for some reason, our society thought, well, you need to put Christ back in our coffee cups. You need to put Christ back in our street signs and all this. Here's what I implore the church of God to do today. Put Christ back into your hearts that you seek after him. Quit saying that we're a godly nation and, and focusing on that, but rather in our own times, may we put God as the king of our own hearts. That's more important. If FBC McLeod, if we come together, and I know we are, and I'm not, I don't want anybody to think I'm just jumping on you, but okay, I'm jumping on you. We have to put Christ as the king of our hearts. That, that involves everything that we do, all the ministries that we do here. I'm thankful for the growth that we're seeing. I'm thankful for the, the, the new faces. I'm thankful for the, the, the baptisms. I'm thankful for the people who are giving their life to Christ. I'm thankful for the new fellowships that we have. I'm thankful that I get to be a part of you guys. But the thing that we see here today is that our hope is not in Daniel. Our hope is not in this church. It's not in the Oklahoma Baptist. Our hope is in Jesus. That's where it's at. And that's truly the message of Christmas when you look at the life of David here, you know, he went through a whole lot. But in this prayer, we see that David does some things. Prayer is important. Don't ever think that prayer is not important. But David goes in prayer. Uh, you know, when we look there at the beginning, it says that David sat down with the Lord. His approach, his, his, his posture in this prayer is beautiful. Because a lot of times we think that, you know, it has to be some you know, high and holy prayer up on a hill with your hands lifted high. But what we see is that David sets down with the Lord. You know what the type of relationship that God wants with you today is? It's not just for you to have some kind of, you know, God's out here on some cloud and you just recognize that he exists and he's kind of like a clockmaker. He winds up the clock and steps away and then life is just life. That's not the relationship that God wants with his people. God wants a relationship where we sat down with him daily. That every single day we sat down with him. David understood that, that, that God wanted this personal relationship with us. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about being a Baptist or being a, a Methodist or being Church of God or being whatever. What I'm saying today is, are we in a relationship with Christ? Are we in a relationship where we can sit down and talk with him? And David understood that, that God was desiring that type of relationship with his people. I, I believe that under the pressure of being king, David was understanding, you know what, we don't really need a king. Because, you know, God didn't really want to give a king to the people. He just wanted to be their king. If you'll remember early on in the history of Israel. 
The people kept crying, we want a king, we want a king. And God's like, you don't need a king, you have God, you have me. But yet they continued to want a king. And I believe in all of this, this pressure that David was going through, he understood that there was only one king, one God. And he sets down with him. As the church, we need to make times and efforts to set down with God. Tonight, you know, what is, what is a hanging of the green? It's different every place you go. Tonight, I want this to be a time when we set down with God. We prepare our hearts for the season of Advent. I don't want flash and thrill. I want us just to be able to stop and just say, God, I want to be in the right frame of mind this Christmas so that you're glorified during this time. It's not about the presence. I guess as you get older, you, you don't necessarily want presents like you used to. When I was a kid, there were specific things I wanted, you know. I'd get out the magazines, and I'd circle this, and I'd circle that, and I'd you know, kind of sneak it under mom's pillow. I want that Red Rider BB gun or whatever. I'd slip it under mom's pillow, and I'd say, oh, maybe she'll see this and buy this for me. Or maybe, maybe just slipping these little you know, hints along the way. As you get older, I think you find out that, the, that really what matters is that we glorify God with our lives. David's approach is beautiful. He sets down with God. Then he has gratitude toward, towards God. His gratitude is there. He's looking at the past. He mentions how God done, you know, he did all this in the past. Then he looks at the future and he says, God, it's going to be you that does this. As your pastor today, I stand up here as a believer. <laughs> as a believer in Jesus Christ, I can tell you, an untold amount of things that God has done for me in the past. A number that you just is out of this world. The things that God has done for me. If I was to sit down and literally count my blessings from the past, it, it would just be awesome. I could write a book on that. And David does that. He looks at the past and he, he sees God. I want to sit down with you. I want to talk to you. And here's the thing. I know how you were to me in the past. I know how you will be for me in the future. Church, understand this. God is not against you. God's not out to smash your head. God is there for you. And we must look to him, that author and perfecter of our faith. And David does that. He looks to the past. He looks to the future. He's just looking at his life as a whole. And he's like, you know what? God, you're awesome all through it. You are good all through this life. So when we see this, we see a king who's hopeful in that redemption that only comes from God. It's a, it's a redemption that can only come from him. There's no other place that you're going to get this. You, you may buy your toilet paper at Walmart. Maybe that's where you go, right? But did you know that like Sam's Club sells Walmart? Sells, they do sell Walmart too. But that Sam's Club sells toilet paper? Guess what? Dollar General, Family Dollar, to Target. All these places sell toilet paper. You're like, why are you talking about toilet paper? Here's what I want you to understand. Redemption is not something you can buy just everywhere. Redemption is not going to come from yourself. It's not going to come from, from our nation. It's not going to come from your church. It's going to come from God and God alone. That's where our redemption comes from. The Bible teaches us that to be saved, we have to believe upon Christ. And we know that Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit draws us to redemption, that, it, it, that the Holy Spirit enlightens us to see the sin in our life and the need for a Savior. So don't ever think that redemption is something that you're going to get through Christmas just because you celebrate Christmas. We've already got our tree up. Anybody else weird like us? Anybody here? Our tree's up. Oh, somebody else right there. <laughs> He's shaking his head. I kind of am too. But our, our tree's up at the house. But you know what? That doesn't bring us redemption. I mean, it might make us, 
you know, better Christmas celebrators, but it doesn't make us better Christians. You look at the world today. I mean, everybody's got these ideas of what does it mean to be saved? Well, salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. Nothing else. Nothing else. And I believe we get to the point of having a faith in God when we have hope in him. When we understand that our hope's in him alone. Your hope's not, there's nothing else that's hopeful. You know, maybe yesterday your team didn't win. You hoped they would win, but they did not. You know? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that was your, your thing for the week. But I want you to understand that your hope is something that only comes from God. It's not something you can get anywhere else. It's only in God. David understood that. And this hope changes us. This hope changes who we are. The points I want us to kind of look at this morning as, as far as what does hope do for us as the body of Christ? And the first thing that we see in this passage is, is we see that hope brings a renewed spirit. A renewed spirit. How many of you guys need a renewed spirit today? Some of you are ball humbugs out there. You're like, I don't even like Christmas. I don't like Christmas music. Some of you are those people, you know? Some of you, some of you are just like, man, I could start listening to Christmas music in July. Some of you are like, you know, I need to wait till about December 15th before I start listening to Christmas music. Everyone's different. But maybe we all need a renewed spirit as far as what it means to follow Jesus. Enjoying Christmas is much more than just enjoying the holiday. It's enjoying the fact that we're saved. Do you realize that as a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are not going to hell? Have you ever thought of that? Maybe you have. Well, let's think about it again. My eternal hope is in Jesus. I don't have to worry about hell. I don't have to worry about what comes in this world. If everything in Daniel's life were to fall apart right now, my hope is not in the things of this world. My hope is in Christ. And we all today need a renewed spirit. In days when we find it hard to see the positive in anything, we should do good to remember the hope of our God. Remember that your hope is in Him alone. I read an article this week. Kind of disturbed me. Kind of brought humor to me. In Canada, they have a shortage, it says, of maple syrup. Anybody see this article this week? And that's sad, I suppose, that there's a shortage of maple syrup in this world today. Okay, what are we going to do? You're going to have to go buy the cheap maple syrup, I guess. Not the Canadian maple syrup. But that's not what, really what bothered me out of the article. There were some words that were mentioned here that really just kind of put in perspective how our world is. In the article, it says that Canada is getting into their strategic pile of maple syrup. Everybody hear those words. Strategic pile of maple syrup. Most of the time when I hear strategic pile, you think what? Bombs, nuclear weapons, strategic pile of money. No, we're talking maple syrup. Canada's freaking out and they're like, oh man, I'm glad we put that strategic pile of maple syrup away. They're like the modern-day Joseph, you know? They, they, they posted all this stuff and, and saved it all in, in a place to where if it ever became a time where maple syrup was, was hard to come by, they would have it. But you know, I think we all do that, though. We have strategic piles of other things in our life, things that we put back, that we hold back. But church, I want to implore you. Our hope is in Jesus 
If the world runs out of maple syrup, oh no. If, if your team wins, if, if, if your team wins, that's great. If they don't, oh no. What are we going to do? You know? I was kind of mixed on the game yesterday because I was like, well, I could see like the good parts if this happened or if this happened, you know, and, and, and now I'm just kind of like, well, at least, at least Oklahoma doesn't have to play Georgia, you know? I mean, at least that doesn't happen. Who wants to see that? Go Polks, you know, as, as they're, they're going on. But big picture here is, does it really matter? Do games matter? We were talking yesterday, I was like, that was one of the best Bedlam games I've seen, like, maybe in my life. I remember there were a couple in the 80s that were just really good games. I, I remember it being really heated. But you know, I can't tell you the year that those happened, their dates, scores. But what I can tell you today is that I serve a God who's good. And that in 1986, he was good to me. In 96, he's good to me. In 2006, he's good to me. And here I stand in 2021, and guess what? God is still good to me. All the time. All the time. My hope is in God. And so when you think of hope, it renews your spirits. It's like, oh yeah, okay, stuff is not all that bad. We're just going to have to find a maple syrup alternative, apparently. You know, that's okay. We're going we're to live through it. You know, I don't actually think I've ever had maple syrup. I'm more of a Griffin syrup myself. You know, that's kind of what I've been my whole life. <laughs> Love Griffin syrup. The Canadians do not know what they're missing with Muskogee-made Griffin syrup. But we have a renewed spirit. You and I have this renewed spirit that comes from God and from having hope in Him. The second thing I want us to look at this morning is that we have a clear vision when we have hope. The Bible teaches us that in Proverbs that where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish. Where people lack vision, there's, there's nothing but death. People perish. Guys, I, I believe that this is what the church needs. Now, let's get personal here, okay? FBC McLeod. Let's, let's, let's take it down there. I could say, well, the, the, the church worldwide or whatever. Let's talk about our church. Let's talk about where we are right now. Would you guys like to see more people in here? Okay, so here's what I want you, what I want you to understand. We're not going to fill this place because you have an awesome pastor, even though you do, okay? That's not, that's not, that's not how this is going to happen. It's not, it's not going to happen because you have an awesome worship leader, but you do, right? It's not going to happen because you have awesome deacons, even though you do. The way this place is going to be filled to the glory of God is when we all hope in God and God alone. We understand that His power is going to get us where we need to go. It's not my power. It's, it's not what I do. It's not in my, my strategic pile of maple but it's in having a clear vision. And what's the clear vision here? Hope has brought us to a place to where we can see, you know what? To God be the glory. And if it's to God's glory, don't you think he's going to back that? He's going to make that happen? I don't want to grow a church here just so, so people can say, well, yeah, your church has grown tremendously. Which, by the way, we've had some exponential growth in our church, if you guys realize that. In the youth group, in the, in, in the kids' ministry, there's been exponential growth. Am I wrong? It is. Is it, is it 100 kids sitting there on a Wednesday night? No, not yet. 
But at the same time, if that's what we desire for our church, then we need to have a renewed spirit and a clear vision in our eyes because we understand that if we want this church to grow, then that means we might have to do more things for the glory of God. I see areas in our church where we're like, we need help. And in our bulletin, you can see there, it's like, hey, you know, we're looking for this person or this person to fill this role. It's time for the church to stand up with a renewed hope in God and step up and do what God is calling us to here. We need to quit saying, well, in the past, my feelings were hurt. This is not the past. This is the present. Some of us be saying, well, you know what? I'm tired. You know what? We're all tired. I have a two-year-old. Come on now. I have a two-year-old. Like, this guy wears me out. And again, it's not our strength. It's not our own personal strength. It's not our own biases. It's not our own thoughts. What is going to make this church grow to the glory of God is when we have a clear vision. And what's our vision? I believe this, is, this should be our vision. Our vision is that everyone in this community ought to at least hear about Jesus. That's it, Daniel? Yeah, that's it. If we tell everyone in this town about Jesus, how many of those people are going to accept? We can get real pessimistic. We're saying, well, nobody, they don't want to come to church because they've got other things going on. No, we need to show them Jesus and tell them Jesus. And if we're not doing that, then we're missing the points. We need to have a clear vision. We need to be a people who are evangelistic. We need to be a people who are advancing the gospel, not pulling back. Which leads us to our next point. David understood this and he said, Lord, you've given me the courage and the boldness to pray this prayer to you. This is what David says. God, you gave me courage to do this. And honestly, this prayer wasn't, it was probably something people heard or read. I mean, we're still reading it today, aren't we? People were familiar with this prayer that David prayed. And he says, Lord, you gave me courage and boldness with hope in our lives. We have a renewed spirit with hope in our lives. We have a clear vision. And I believe this, church, that with hope in our lives in God and God alone, you and I are going to have the courage and the boldness to proclaim the gospel. We have to be there, though. You see, Christmas isn't all about us just going through that season and just saying, man, that a great Christmas? Wasn't that just wonderful? But rather, we get through Christmas and we say, man, God is good. And God is our hope. And we get through Christmas and we say, you know what? It was awesome because God used us in, in silly things, maybe like caroling or passing out food or just telling somebody Merry Christmas and leading into a real a conversation where we tell them about Jesus. That, that may be what the Lord uses us for this Christmas. But to have a bigger context, a bigger, a bigger picture, it's not just about putting up trees and ornaments and presents, but it's about using this time as a tool to tell people about who Jesus is. I know a lot of people say, well, hey, Christmas is a pagan holiday. It is. I'm not going to disagree with you, but the early Christians used a pagan holiday, in order to evangelize. They used this pagan holiday to tell people about Jesus. That's what they did. And somewhere along the way, we, we kind of make Christmas this thing that, well, Christians celebrate this, but everybody else gets it wrong. No, use this time to evangelize. Use this time to tell others about Jesus. And my prayer for the church is that in our hope, we have this vision, we have this renewed spirit, but we also have a courage and a boldness to love people. When the world has needs, it goes somewhere for their needs. 
People understand, you know, like, well, why do, why do people do this with their life? They do it because they're trying to fill a void. There's only one thing that can help us in our voids, and that's Jesus. Most of us in here, we know that because we've experienced that. that the one thing that changed us forever, that made us new creatures, was Jesus. That's it. Was there anything else in this world that could bring happiness to us? But in our hope, we live in front of a world that needs to see it. And what the world needs to see is a church that moves in the power of God. I'm going to say that one more time, okay? What the world needs to see today is a church that moves in the power of God. We need to quit being weak Christians. We need to quit stepping back and just saying, well, I don't want to offend anybody with my religion. I don't, want to, I don't want to do this. What we need to do as the church of God today is we need to walk forward in courage and boldness. Because that power that comes from the hope we have in Jesus is powerful. Somewhere along the way, somebody had hope. Somebody had courage to ask you, have you ever, have you ever followed Christ? Have you ever considered your sin? Have you ever heard that Believing on the blood of Jesus Christ is important. And that salvation only comes through the, the blood of Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, somebody had courage to ask you that question. Are you right with God? Have you been baptized? Are you following Jesus today? Somewhere along the way, somebody asked you that question and they had courage. How many of us are thankful that somebody had that courage for us today? You know? I see, I see a couple young men in this place today that I got to be their pastor several, several years ago. So what a blessing that was. We got to do some cool stuff together. Probably stuff that I probably should have been arrested for, yes. But I see God has worked in their lives and he's blessed them and, and, and we're here today worshiping together. What a blessing. But you know what, guys? It wasn't Daniel's goodness. It was somebody else before me was bold enough to tell Daniel in the same church you guys were saved in, baptized in, they told me about Jesus, and I, I said, you know what? I need a Savior. And his grace and mercy saved me. But the glory don't even go to those people. It doesn't even go to those people. It goes to, to God alone. Because this is something that's just happened, you know? I see the beauty in all of this, you know? Bruce, I see the beauty in this. That the gospel is something that's not just for one generation. It's not just short-sighted, but, but here I am like 25, 30 years later, I'm worshiping with people that I worshiped with back then. That's a good God, isn't it? And what's God gonna do with this, this group of people that we have here at McLeod? Well, we need to be a church that moves in power. How many of you guys are pumped up for Jesus right now? Don't, don't, don't answer, don't answer. But I'm asking sincerely in your heart, you're, you know what, you're just ready to go. You're like, man, I want to see God move. I believe we've got a lot of people here that want to see God move. My call to us today is, okay, let's go. Let's go. But it comes back to that idea of hope. When we hope in God, don't hope in just a bigger church or in a better pastor. Hope in the Lord. Who's been good your whole life? The Lord. Who's good now? The Lord. Who'll be good in the future? The Lord. Hope in the Lord is going to give us this renewed spirit. Church, I feel a renewed spirit here. Last weekend, last Sunday, we had all the, the area churches got together and I felt like a renewed spirit even in that group. 
I know some of them were Methodists and non-denominationals. I know. But we all felt like this renewed spirit in that service. I believe that was a bunch of people who were just hoping in the Lord. We had a renewed spirit. We had a clear vision. What, what we need is a clear vision. Guys, this church here has potential to go crazy for Jesus. That we have this, we have this potential just to, to blow the, the roof off of this place. We have facilities. We have workers here now. We have, we have things that a lot of places don't have. But we just need to live in that hope and live in that courage and that boldness, to live in that vision, to live in that renewed spirit, understanding that God wants to be glorified here in McLeod. And guys, I'll tell you this, God deserves to be glorified here in McLeod. It's time that, you know, these, these things that everybody else is glorifying right now, maybe it's jobs, maybe it's sports, maybe it's cars, maybe it's new houses, maybe it's all of this, I don't know. That's what people in the world are glorifying today. That's what they're hoping in. They're hoping that the economy turns around. What if it doesn't? They're hoping that they get a new car. What if you don't get a new car? Have you guys priced new vehicles lately? I considered buying a new truck. It's not happening, I promise you. I'm glad I don't hope in things like that. I'm glad that's not something I'm, you know, man, that's the only thing that matters in this life. So I get that brand new Chevy truck, you know. That'd be great, but let's wait till the economy changes a little bit, right? But our hope's not in the things of this world. You can be hoping in lunch right now. I wish Daniel was quiet so we'd go to lunch. Well, it's only 11.44, so settle down. I wish Daniel would be quiet so we'd go to lunch. But what if you show up and they don't have any food? What if you show up and they spit in your food and you're like, well, I can't eat that. Now I got to go to McDonald's and eat like the peasants, you know, or whatever. None of this stuff matters in this world. What it really, when I look at it, none of it matters. What matters is that we have hope in Jesus. Everybody say amen to that. If you don't hear anything else today, that's what I want you to hear. Because if we have a true hope in Jesus, it's going to change how we view the world, how we, how we come into the world, how we, how we approach the world. It's going to change how we do church. It's going to change how we preach. It's going to change how we sing. It's going to change how we live our lives. I want us to be defined as a church who has courage and boldness. Clement, last week we, uh, we read about this guy. We all watched a little video about him too, but Clement of Alexandria, uh, he was the one that lived 86 years for the Lord and they, they burned him alive and he was going to turn, and they said, hey, turn, you know, renounce Jesus, renounce, renounce your faith. And he says, you know what? God's been good to me for 86 years. Why would I turn on him now? That, that's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, you think an 86-year-old might be like, well, you know, I've been, I've been a good follower of Jesus, so he's not going to care if I renounce him right now. At least maybe I can not be burned to death. But he didn't. But look what he says about hope. Clement of Alexandria, he says, if you do not hope, you will never discover what is beyond your hopes. If you do not hope, you're never going to discover that good stuff. We must be a people who are hoping in God. That we see, you know what, God's going to do something in my life. That's amazing. But I got to hope in him first. How many, how many of y'all wanted to see a Good things in the future. I think everybody wants to see good things in the future. 
We don't want to go back. We don't want to be a church that's going backwards. We don't want to be you know, going back to whatever. We don't want to be going back to not having a pastor or going back to doing this, that, or the other. We want to move forward. Like a year from now, we want to be able to say, wow, look at all that God has done. And that may be what we're envisioning is a year from now, this place will look totally different. I believe it will. But my hope is in Jesus. And that hope allows us to move forward into those hopes. Guys, we've got to be a people of hope. This courage, this boldness, a courage that will last from, it's, it's going to come from above. It's not going to come from ourselves. Courage that will last is from above. That courage is only found in knowing Jesus. I want to close this, uh, this time. If you want to, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. It's Advent. It's Christmas. I, I, I know I love preaching about David, and you guys will learn that about me. I love the life of David. One reason I like the life of David is because it, it really does show us like a guy who had a relationship with God. He wasn't perfect. He didn't have it all together all the time. And today we see where that that love that he had for God, where he went and sat down and had hope. He was grateful. And that leads us to what happens here in Luke chapter 1. It leads us to, to what we're about to read, the, the fact that the hope of nations was to come. That because of the life of David, there were good things that came after him. That there was a, a lineage that was, that was built up here. And we get to Luke chapter 1 and we see all this hope coming to fruition. We see what, what people had been looking for for a long time. And people missed it from time to time. They, they, they were looking for a Messiah and other things. But, but we know, hindsight's twenty twenty. we know that that hope, that Messiah was Jesus. Amen? This wasn't just a, a birth in a stable. It wasn't just a silent night. My brother spoke about earlier. That's, that's beautiful. It was probably pretty noisy and stinky in that place. I don't know how peaceful that manure. That's not a who who like lights manure candles in your house so that you can have more peace. Nobody does that, right? How peaceful was it? It probably wasn't that peaceful. But the reason it was silent and peaceful is because everything stopped and pointed towards Jesus, and Jesus brought peace. And that's our hope. That's our hope. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. I, I love this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Everybody hear that? And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. A key point maybe we miss in that little passage as we're rounding this out this morning. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? That's Jesus. If you're a Christian today, you're like, man, I love that story. Maybe kind of puts a little bit of, you know, goosebumps on your neck. You're hearing this story. This is Jesus. This is how he was born. We don't have to question, well, how was Jesus born? Was it, you know, you know, Bethlehem Community Hospital? Where was he born? Now we know, like, where he was born. And, and, and really, it was foretold how he would be born. There's all this stuff that we see here, right? We have all this information. But there at the very end, Mary tells the, tells the angel, says, you know what? I am the servant of the Lord. It speaks to me of a, of a young girl who was scared, but she had hope in God. She says, you know what? None of this makes sense. I'm a virgin. How in the world am I going to have a kid? But you know what? I'm the servant of the Lord. All right. I'll be your servant. I want to see God glorified. That's, that's exactly the attitude that she had. It was an attitude of hope. And we may be saying, well, she was scared. She just kind of was coerced into saying, yeah, I'll do it. But if you'll notice something here at the very end, this is what I want us to look at. The very last words are, and the angel departed from her. The angel departed from her. In Scripture, we know that angels are messengers, right? That's what they do. They proclaim the glory of God. They proclaim the message of God. And here, an angel shows up to this young girl and proclaims the plan of God. And that's his job. He, his job is to make sure that people understand. At the very end here, he doesn't keep hanging around and saying, okay, let me explain how this works. You know, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't keep going back and forth. It just says once he tells her, and she says, you know what? Yes, I am the servant of the Lord. Then it says that he leaves. He leaves because it was mission accomplished. He had told the plan, she had accepted the plan, and now it's going to happen. And all of this takes place because Mary had hope. Mary had hope. She'd been looking forward to the Messiah herself. She knew that Jesus, the Messiah, she didn't know his name yet, but she knew the Messiah, this, this one that was to come, that he was going to come and he was going to change everything, fundamentally change everything. And that was her hope. And you know what? She reacted to this news with hope, not with an overwhelming fear. Was there fear? Yep. When I first felt the call to, to go into ministry, I was scared to death. I was. I could barely get up and speak in front of people as it was. It scared me to death to think about that. I was raised as a pastor's kid, you know? And it's different when you, you know, it's not just like I'm up here just speaking in front of people. It's not like I'm just standing in front of people. But I'm trying to divide rightly the word of God in front of these people. There's a lot of pressure here, you know? There's a lot of pressure to be a pastor, a preacher, a teacher. But Mary, in her 
love of God, she had this hope. And, and her hope kind of goes back to what we talked about. We see that she had a clear vision. All right, God, this is what you want me to do. She had a renewed spirit. All right, this is going to be good. This is your will, God. But then she also, she had a courage and a boldness to go forward. You know, you don't see her pulling back on it and saying, well, but God, Joseph, he's going to leave me now. But God, my parents may kick me out. But God, they'll drag me outside the city gates and they stone me. Did any of that happen? No, because God was in control. We can sit here and second guess ministry or things that are going on in our own personal life all the time. But if we have hope in God, we're going to understand that he's going to be for, there for us every bit of the way. We can question, well, I don't know, Daniel, are we going to have enough money this year? Are we going to have enough space? We're going to have these new people coming in. Where are they all going to sit? They're not sitting in my pew. Which, by the way, if people come to church and they sit in your pew, you should be happy. You should be happy. Sit in my pew all day. Here, I'll bring you a blanket. We're going we're gonna to hope in the, the God of creation today. Mary goes forth from this time. It says from there she goes and she visits Elizabeth. We know that whole story, right? They go and visit Elizabeth and the baby jumps in Elizabeth's womb, right? Who was, who was that baby? It was John the Baptist. God had all of this. In, he, had, he put it in motion and it was going. He was in control here. Don't you think God could be in control of us as a church coming together and glorifying him? Don't you think? How about your own personal life? Maybe it's family problems. Maybe it's money problems. Maybe it's, you know, the thing of this world. Don't you think that God can work those problems out for you? Man, if he can take care of salvation for all of mankind that will, that will come, then I believe that God can take care of my everyday problems. God can, he can help us to, to have hope. And in that hope, we're able to bring him glory. God is so good. And so this Advent season, I want us to understand today that it's, it's not just about celebrating Advent. It's not just about celebrating Christmas. But guys, it's, it's about hoping Jesus so that glory may be given to God. That's our goal. I don't want to draw you guys into just, well, I go to church once a week now. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want that to just be your entire life. But when you leave here, I want this to be kind of a time where we come together and we're building up our courage and our boldness and then we go out from this place and we see God glorified in our week, in our job places, in the stores that we go to. I went to the grocery store last night. I guess I'm apparently a McLeodite now because I cannot go to the store without seeing someone. That's great. It's a good thing, right? I'm not complaining, by the way. I'm just saying it's just kind of, there was a time when I lived in McLeod where I, I didn't know anybody. You know, I may have saw some of you in the store and I snubbed you. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know. But God wants us to be at home with this thought today. That we live in hope. And we go from this place in boldness with a clear vision and with a renewed spirit for the glory of God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for the example of David today. Lord, I, I struggled to kind of find where did I want to go this week, but Lord, that the, the story of David just continued to come back to me, how he was a man who, who understood what it was like to look to you for help. Lord, truly our hope is in you. We thank you today. We thank you for Jesus, the hope of nations. That through his, his blood, through sacrifice on the cross that people can know you. 
Lord, today I pray that you would call believers to boldness, to clear vision, to renewed spirit. Lord, I pray that you would call them to action today for your glory. Lord, today if there are unbelievers here, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to repentance today. Lord, none of this just making a decision, quote unquote, to follow you. But Lord, I pray that, that you send your Holy Spirit to convict them of their sin. And today they can be released from that sin to bring you glory. Father, whether it's in this house or whether it's someone that's listening later, Lord, I pray that you would just draw people to you. Lord, as we spend this time together in Advent, rejoicing in you, Father, I pray that, Lord, at the end of Advent, at the end of Christmas, that, Lord, we will see new believers in you. That's your desire. That's your desire. Use us. Lord, send us. In your most holy name.